We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to an extremely Snowden edition of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you. Very much, as always, for locking in, whether you're checking us out on the audio side, watching us on the video side. Appreciate you all. This is our Thursday episode. It means, as usual, I'm joined by my good friend, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, We talked for maybe 30 seconds, Anthony, before we started rolling the tape here. It snowed two and a half feet overnight in West Seneca, where I am. When I tell you that, I am snowed in, like, quite literally. It is a snowing city. I got this up on the video side. This is a picture of my house, maybe around 7.30 this morning. I mean, you you can see the house across the street. The snow is pretty much up past the porch onto their their door. You combine that because the weather, nothing's melted. So over the weekend and now from Tuesday night into Wednesday, I would say there's probably mounds of snow at the side of my driveway, seven, eight feet at least now. Just crazy, man. You're in it, man. You are man. you are in it, and it's like, you know, uh, for those listening, I live in uh, Albany, New York. Oh, You're getting a weather that, alert right you want, now. You want, you want to, how about this in real time, Anthony? That is my phone. The sound you're hearing, folks, on the audio side, that is my phone, an emergency alert because of the weather. Heavy lake effect snow and whiteout conditions occurred overnight and jab, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, how's that for some irony? We're talking about the weather. And literally, my phone goes off to one of those uh, emergency alerts. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's like, <laughs> you know, when you you see all the coverage and even everything from this past week and this past weekend. And, and you know, you can be 10 miles in one direction or, or another and how much that lake effect snow can can affect folks. So, you know, now that I live in, in Albany, New York, I, I don't get that lake effect that you know, used to as a, as a kid growing up in Rochester, not far from Lake Ontario and some of those pieces. And just as I see it, you, you obviously just hope everybody is being, being smart and being safe and not going out any place when you, when you don't need to, because it's just, you know, that's craziness right now. I just, I almost don't even, I I feel like I made my own bed, you know, and I'm starting to question to be completely honest with you, man. I'm being totally honest with you. And by the way, we're taping this like we usually do for a Thursday audio release. We we release on Thursday, taping this Wednesday morning. All right. So everything I'm talking about now is weather-wise, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs-wise is is as of pretty early Wednesday morning. Starting to question my life decisions, man. I, I truly am. You know, lifelong Buffalonian and moved to Florida in 2016, and I got homesick. I missed Buffalo so much by the end of that run in Florida. Glad to come home. And I still am glad to be home in a lot of ways because I just love Buffalo. I love so much about Buffalo. But I'm really starting to question my life decisions right now. At the very least, I'm at the point where I got to get out of the South Towns. Because this is all South Towns shit, by the way. So I'm in West Seneca. It's West Seneca Orchard Park. 
Hamburg, uh, Lackawanna. They were just getting pummeled. I got friends right now who live in Amherst, Williamsville, Clarence. They get dustings. And that's the way it goes pretty much every winter. And I'm starting to question, and I know I sound like a little whiny little baby right now. A lot of people are like, quit bitching. And you're not wrong. All right. I admit that. But it's just getting frustrating, dude. It's crazy, man. And this is, again, this is only Wednesday. And there's still like another foot of snow or something like that coming. I'll throw another picture up. This is my backyard. To the right of it, that's my grill. <laughs> I mean, and it's like the snow is literally up to the very top on the left-hand side. You can see the wooden railing. And it's that that's where we're at right now. So it's, I don't know, man. I think it might be time to get out of the South Towns at the very least. I'm not going back to Florida. At least I don't think I am anyway. So at least got to get away from this shit, man. Just nuts. Well, and I, and I say this too, and not that uh, not that you're wrong, but sometimes it could be a little bit of a let's say like a you know, it, it's recency though. Like you're in it right right now. Though, sure. Right. So it's that piece where I think as you can look at that and and have that feeling, I would totally get that piece and you know maybe a week from now as things clear up maybe that that'll be a fleeting thought for you or maybe you're just like you know <laughs> oh, you're man, be on Zillow every day checking out different things and and seeing what's out there i like the south towns living out here because i i, I think the traffic's a little better yeah. it just feels a little more community driven out in the south I, I there's a lot to like about the south but this weather is just freaking brutal and it's not going away anytime soon i check check the forecast not just the snow but the temperatures are going to be so cold that ain't nothing going to melt it's frustrating and i'll tell you as we kind of transition here and enough about me whining and bitching about weather um it's going to affect this football game on sunday not the game itself sunday like there's not win the difference between now and last weekend where the game got rescheduled is there were gusts of winds up to 50 60 miles an hour there's zero wind going on out now this is just straight up snowfall but it's still affecting the buffalo bills as we kind of transition to some bills talk here because they're there's a driving ban these guys some of these guys ain't getting in that stadium today to practice yeah. on wednesday you know they're already on a short week as it is anthony and uh practice time is going to be altered because of this weather i've seen uh a couple tweets this morning nobody knows if they're going to be able to, to even get into the the facility to have a practice and they you know, what today's already World War Taper is Wednesday. So time's ticking, man. And now this is going to alter, at least to some extent, their their preparation. So this, we knew this was coming in Buffalo, by the way. I mean, we had such a mild December. It barely even snowed. It was 50 degrees on Christmas. And it kind of felt like, well, it's coming. It's coming. Well, it's here, man. It is here. And now it's affecting the football team. The game Sunday. And to some extent, I'm sure this is going to affect their preparations for this game this week, too. Yeah, and you wonder from a preparation standpoint, if they can't get to the facility in Orchard Park, like what does that mean? You know, even thinking, okay, are there are there different facilities? Not even to say like a you know a full practice facility, but hey, can can one of the local colleges accommodate you to you know not that you're going to be out on their field, but maybe if it's even just utilizing different meeting rooms or utilizing you know different. Sure whatever you know they might have uh, available or how widespread this is to to just impact these pieces um i do look at it a bit though and i think to myself okay they've already played the chiefs this season not to say that prepping for them weeks ago is just like okay well we've gone through this before we know who this is but it's not an opponent that you haven't played um i always think back even to that 2020 season right who was it the tennessee titans the game got moved a couple times. It's like they weren't even able to practice. They traveled yeah. into Buffalo. And you're just like, oh, the Bills, this should be a cakewalk. Like these guys, they're not healthy. They haven't had time to prepare. And the Bills got absolutely smacked. I had a so Tuesday for me, night. it's a little bit of just like, you know what? Whatever preparation they get in, they will get in. I'd like to think that they will be ready. The game plan will be ready. Maybe even a little extra rest for a team that is certainly banged up. So it's just... I don't know, man. This this week for me, it's just like, yeah, the you know, you can look at the injuries, you can look at the short rest. Hell, you see Sean Hockley and his crew are going to be refereeing the game. It's like, you know what? Whatever. No excuses. This, this is just no excuses this week. Like whatever happens, you want to, you know, you want to sit on the throne, you got to slay the dragon. Defending Super Bowl champ. So like, I don't care if they don't practice at all this week. Just go win. Let me ask you a question about Sean Hockley and this refereeing crew. I, I never put two and two together. I never paid much attention to, I know he's, he's a referee that gets a lot of criticism, not just from the bills, 
but you know, fans around the league, uh, there's, there's some kind of history with him with the bills. I ask you that because on Tuesday night, I guess they announced the officiating crews sometime on Tuesday. I got not one, but two texts from friends of mine who are pretty pissed off. They go, oh, great. Sean Hockley and his crews coming to Buffalo. I don't know. Is there some kind of history that I, that I don't know of, of him kind of screwing the bills over? I don't well, know. Traditionally, the history with him has been in a positive light with the Philadelphia Eagles. And when you go back to the Bills game against the Eagles, it was his crew completely lopsided from the calls against the Bills, sure. calls for the Eagles, the horse collar tackle slash intentional grounding call made against Josh Allen, that crew. Like, you know, there's not many games where I come away from like complaining yeah. about the refs. But that was one where you were just like, shoot, man, that that felt a little bit off. But again, to this point, you know, and I say this now, who knows? Something could happen next week. I could be on here complaining about stuff and people will say, like, I thought you said no excuses, but like going into this, like I'm not I'm not prepping myself for for any of that. I just go win the game. That that officiating crew, and I didn't realize that that was his crew um that Philly game earlier this season. That was brutal. That A.J. Brown overtime play could easily have been a fumble. It was just a – all right, so I I get it, at least based on that game, because there's maybe been two games this season where I remember of really complaining about officiating. I don't do that often, but that was definitely uh, one of them. Well, that's not cool. Anyway, let, let me ask you this. Before we talk about the Bills specifically or the Chiefs specifically, I've had uh, an ongoing conversation with my buddy, Tom Bucks. He was on the show a couple of days ago about – what is at stake in your mind for this football team? Obviously, the Super Bowl is what it's all about, of course. But Tony kind of took me back a little bit because when I asked him this question, he basically said almost nothing. And what he meant by it, I'm like, what? And when he elaborated, what he said was when the Bills lost that game to the Eagles, they're 6-6. Six and six. They had a 15% chance of making the playoffs per the New York Times, that simulation model that they've used. And it felt like, and I think to me, to some extent it did, it felt like the season was over. You know, like this is done. This is a wrap. And obviously things have changed now and they've won all these games in a row. And uh, he, he said that they're playing with almost like house money right now because to him, the season was over. First, when Milano and Daquan and, and Trey White all got hurt, and then secondly, like I said, when they lost to the Eagles and they fell to six and six, the season felt like it was lost. So he kind of feels like right now you're playing with house money wars. I'm like, I don't think this window is going to get any more wide open than it is right now. It's not going to shut if they lose. You got Josh Allen. And as long as you got prime Josh Allen, that window is going to be there every year. But if, man, you're talking the Bengals didn't even make the playoffs. Joe Burrow got hurt. Lots of guys got hurt down here for the Jags collapse. Miami's soft right now. Kansas City's offense is nothing what it's been in previous years. I mean, you keep going on and on and on. It's like, and you're in the divisional round and you're at home in Orchard Park. This window, I don't see it getting open any more wider than it is right now. Like, what's your thought in terms of like, what's at stake with this game? That's a tough question, by the way. No, it's not a it's not a dumb question. And you know, again, as I've as I've listened to you the last couple of days, well, I'll, I'll do. I'll, I will say this: I, I do. Uh, I do take a little. Um, I have an issue with something that you say, okay. and you you said it on your your show from yesterday when you just said you just talked about making the Super Bowl. Making it's not about making the Super Bowl; it's about winning the Super Bowl. Like sure. to, to I am I am over the making the Super Bowl feeling like an accomplishment for this team. And I think a lot of folks, you you talked about it so I can pick on you. Other folks say like for the Bills to make the Super Bowl. And it's like, whoa, whoa, like I'm I'm not planning on the Bills making the Super Bowl and being okay with that the next day. And I'm not saying that you are either, but it's just right. like, you know, part of me, it's like, shoot, I'd rather you lose this week than have the heartbreak of losing another Super Bowl. Like I don't know that I can I can take that that's piece, fair right that's fair I, I do i do think with this i understand where tone pucks is coming from because it's like we, you know we've always said just get in and this has not been one of those years you're not the one seed you didn't get this by you didn't any of these pieces like i get what you're saying the window being wide open 
you're still playing the Chiefs this weekend. And, you know, watching the Chiefs mm-hmm. against the Dolphins the other night, there was no part of this that made me feel like, oh, this isn't, you know, the Chiefs aren't good anymore. The, the Ravens are not a matchup I look forward to. And, heck, even watching the Texans the other night, it's just like, okay, this is a team we probably have not paid enough attention to, and that's that's understandable. I don't know, man. I, I think back to, like, the struggles I've had when the season has ended. When the Bills lost to the Texans in 2019, I was crushed, right? And I say that because it just in a weird way, like, God, you had this game weird fluke plays you got two defenders bounce off to Sean Watson and you know what should have been a sack to get the ball back and go down and win the game and that doesn't happen then obviously 13 seconds was crushing and it was just like oh my gosh like you're you're the national story everyone in such a weird spot but I didn't feel that way in 2020 I didn't even feel that way last season and with this though I am just like I'm not with Tone Pucks, though. I'm like, you know what? You, I, I said all the time, just get in and anything can happen. And I still think that. I, the Bills can win on Sunday. There's no doubt in my mind. And then it's like, hey, whether you play yeah. Houston or Baltimore, like you get to that point, anything can happen. So I'm, I'm more – I understand what Tone is saying, and I don't disagree with him, but I'm in the other direction. It's like, just win. The, just win. I tend to be more along the lines with you. And by the way, on the audio side, you might hear like a two or three second lapse here. We're having a little bit of internet issues. Internet issues again. It is coming down and snowing uh, like crazy. But along the lines of, of, of what you're saying, let me put it to you this way. If the Bills lose on Sunday, any fan, you, myself, any Bills fan is going to be crushed and disappointed. 100%. But when you look back at it, say we have this show next week and we're talking about a Bills loss, okay? When you look back, when you get past this game and, and that crushed feeling of losing that game and you look at the season in its totality, is this, um, I'm trying to think of this, say this the right way, a bust season. Is this a bust season? Because you can look at it again. They're 6-6 six and six and they ended up winning the division. They at least win a, a playoff game. That's the good. The ugly side of it is you go back to the summer, this was a Super Bowl favorite. And you would say this is the third straight year the Bills got to a divisional game and then they lost last two being at home. And you got to wonder, is this the ceiling for the Buffalo Bills in this regime if they lose to Kansas City? I think that's part of what's at stake anyway. But if the Bills are to lose this game come next week, are you feeling like this is a bust of a season at this point? No, I mean, and now listen, there's always, if you lose, how the loss is, right? Do you get your doors kicked off? Do you lose in a back and forth shootout and the last team to have the ball wins the game, you know, or is it, do you have a, you know, performance like last year against the Bengals where it just seems like you didn't show up? So there's always that context, but for me, it's not a bust season. And I I can say that, I think as we look at things, um, you know, we talked about the Eagles before, right? Like how that team has been on a downward spiral over this last third of the season. Yeah. That is a bust season, right? For how they started and how they finished. Like those fans, right? Eagles fans get whatever rap they get. Like they have a, a complete understanding of, of feeling that upset. For the Bills, if it was one of those where it's just like, yeah, you just kind of like we're a middling you know, back and forth, you win one, you lose one, you win one, you lose one, you get in at nine and eight and you just sort of like peter out, you know, maybe that would feel different, but it was like, Hey, this team was six and six. They win what their last five regular season games. They go in, win a big playoff game right at home. Like whatever you want to say about the Steelers, any playoff win is a good win, right? A good win on uh, a Monday night, and, you know, and then you come into this. So no, I'm not going to call this season a bust because the arrow was pointing up towards the end of the season. And to me, that's that's a lot better than what you look at with some other teams out there. What about specifically with Sean McDermott? Okay, um, I think he has done a phenomenal job, and I mean phenomenal, over the last half of this season. I think the team has rallied around him. I think he's been a great defensive coordinator, especially in the back half of this year. The defense has played good all year. The problem with the defense is early in the season, the first half, they were blowing games in the final two minutes. The last drive will kind of wipe out all the good they did. But he has been 
great with this defense pretty much all season long. Um, the offense has been, he's been more aggressive and going for it on fourth downs. He did it again pretty early in the game too on Sunday against Pittsburgh. Um, he's had a, a, a really good bounce back to a tough first 12 games for sure. But the, the criticism, the biggest criticism I think towards Sean McDermott has been, this has been the point where he kind of falls a little bit flat or if not, if in some cases, maybe face plants like he did in 2021 in 13 seconds last year against the Bengals for a variety of reasons. You can't put it all on Sean, but he is the head coach and that team was not ready to play. They were just, dismantled at home by the Bengals. Pretty embarrassing fashion as well. Uh, how much do you feel like is on the line for him? Not in terms of his job. He ain't getting fired. He wasn't getting fired if they missed the playoffs. That wasn't going to happen regardless. But in terms of him being able to take that next step, uh, maybe where some people around the league would perceive him, how big is this game? Or do you feel like he's already cemented himself as one of the best coaches in the NFL? Because again, if this is the point where it's been dicey with Sean McDermott. Yeah. I mean, I think when you say one of the best coaches in the NFL, like, you know, you could probably put him in like that top 10 area, sure. right? Like I'm not, I'm not putting him up towards the, uh, the top of the heap and being in the top 10, like there's nothing, nothing wrong with, with that piece. I think as we've seen him almost evolve this season, um, since the bye week, since the articles came out with a lot of things, it's like, man, I, I like this Sean McDermott that we've, seen right there's not that oh the visiting team or the other team is you know down three points with two minutes left and I got this pit in my stomach like right now I feel like they're gonna make the plays that they they need to and that's a good good feeling to have um you know here's the butt right and it's a butt for him I'll even say it's a butt for Josh Allen Stefan Diggs anyone that's been a part sure. of the team since 2020 you know this is uh this is Michael Jordan's Bulls getting over the hump against the Detroit Pistons or, you know, Peyton Manning yeah. getting a victory over Belichick and Tom Brady in the playoffs. Like, you know, Hey, you've been great. You're a lot of fun. People love you. You're good. But can you take that next step to get over the hump of just this roadblock, this nemesis that has been in your way? And those are the two examples that come to mind. I'm sure there's probably some others like, you know what? I'll even throw the, uh, let's say like the 2004 Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Cause like, you know, the bills have never won that, that championship. Like right. it's, it's that type of level of, can you get over that piece? And, you know, you think back to those teams, they were fun. A lot of personalities. You got guys like, you know, David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez and some of the biggest names in the game, but they went from being really good players to elevating to, to like Hall of Fame type of status. And and yeah, I guess those are three examples that that come to mind. When you talk about for Sean McDermott, when you talk about for Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, like Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, like this is that type of hump for them. So maybe I'm making this into something, you know, this game bigger than it is even as I talk through it. But yeah, those are the three examples that, that come to mind now. Um, I, I knew you'd find a way to work a basketball reference into, uh, to, to one of your answers today. I did that as well, though, because I said, um, I, maybe it was when I was talking with Tone earlier this week, but if the bills were to lose this game, I kind of feel like they're establishing themselves as the 1990, uh, New York Knicks, a, a good team, but they can never beat Chicago during Michael Jordan's run. You know what I mean? Like they were in the playoffs consistently good near the top of the standings but they could never get past the Bulls. So they were the New York Knicks during that uh, during that time frame. And in, in terms of Josh, this isn't really a question, more of a, of a statement. He's played great against the Chiefs. I mean, he's had some really good games against the Chiefs. He, he They've beaten the Chiefs three straight years on the road during the regular season, but you got to win in the playoffs. You know, this is, everybody says, this is, uh you know, you, you talk about Mahomes and, and Josh Allen. This is, the next version of Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady. And I, I want to believe that. And it, there's definitely truth to it, but for it to be a true rivalry, if you got to win in the playoffs at some point, you know, if you're winning the games in the regular season, but then every time when it matters, you fall short, it's not really all that much of a, uh, a rivalry. 
Win or lose, the Bills can go on and get blown out on Sunday. Nobody's going to say that Josh Allen's not one of the top two to three best quarterbacks in the NFL. But if you really want to be on that same pedestal as Pat Mahomes, who's won two Super Bowls already, competing yep. for a third now, you got to get there. You got to get there. You know, otherwise, you're a better version. And when his career is done, I'm not talking about this night, this year, or, or, you know, he's a bust. He'll never be a bust. But are you a better version of Phillip Rivers? You know what I mean? You got to you gotta get there, and you got to get past Pat Mahomes to do it. Like, this is the way it has to be. You got to play the Chiefs, and you got to beat the Chiefs. It had to be this way. If that makes any sense. No, it, it does, right? I mean, listen, is. It's almost in a weird way. It's like, yeah, if you if you get there and you didn't have to defeat the Chiefs on the way, would it? I mean, like, listen, none of us would complain. Don't get me wrong. Oh. But, you know, there would be that little part out there that would just be sure. You know, you you think to yourself, like, hey, again, going back to the Red Sox, if they win that first World Series, but uh, but the Yankees were on the other side of the bracket and they didn't have to play each other, you know, to to get through to the world series. Like there would be a little bit of that part out there of just like, again, this is great. You know, there would be some little, some little chirps, some little pieces that would come with it. So, you know, as it, as it comes about, like, yeah, this is, this is what you've got to do. So go do it. The great thing is games in orchard park, right? That has not happened. The fact that Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff game outside of Arrowhead, right? I mean, he's played on neutral fields in the Super Bowl, but has never stepped foot into another stadium for a playoff game is surreal to to me. And for what Orchard Park is going to be on Sunday, like these fans are ready, right? You talk about the environment and what it was for the Cowboys game. You talk about what it was for the Steelers game. Like you can dial that same energy up to a 10. And you know that is going to happen on on Sunday. So, like when it comes to the crowd and what they can do, it's going to be a pretty fun atmosphere. And uh, and I will be really curious to see just how the Chiefs respond to that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings talking Bills, Chiefs. There's some really good points but, uh, before the break, by the way. I'm Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I just, man, I feel like Josh can get over the hump and, and beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. It's going to elevate him to uh, to just another level uh, of playing. And, you know, I'll tell you what, speaking of the Bills, there's, there's three things specifically that I wanted to hit on, two of them offensively that I really liked. From the Pittsburgh game, and for the most part, over the back half of this season, not going to even talk about Josh. That goes without saying, man. Josh is one of one. He's a unicorn with some of the shit he could do out there. The running game. You know, the running game's not sexy, and I'm not the kind of guy, I haven't been the kind of guy, especially when you got Josh Allen slinging the ball over the place. I've always felt like, to some extent, just like I used to feel like with the Chiefs when we play the Chiefs, Running the ball, if you could get the Chiefs to run the ball 20 times, to me, that's a W. You know, like every time the Chiefs run the ball, that felt like a win to me. And I kind of, when it comes to the Bills, I would feel like it was an L. You know, every time you run the football, just because you got Josh Allen. But 
this offense has been really good. This running game has been really good. It's been the real deal. They ran for 179 yards against Pittsburgh. And even if you take away Josh Allen's ridiculous 52-yard touchdown run, they still ran for 127 yards. So they were running the ball effectively against Pittsburgh. Not necessarily spectacularly, but good enough to keep the, the Steelers honest, to keep them guessing, and just to sustain drives. Um, and that's something the Bills have done really good at. So this running game to me went from being something that I didn't really like seeing to a, a big asset. And I'm sure the Chiefs are feeling the same way right now because my mindset is running the football effectively against the Chiefs is going to sustain drives. It's going to move the chains. The weather's not going to be great. Um, and you're going to keep Pat Mahomes off the field. Just like the Chiefs, I'm sure, are saying, you know, if we can run Pacheco and we can effectively run the football, we're going to keep the Bills' offense off the field and we're going to sustain drives. Um, just talk about the Bills' running game right now. James Cook, 79 yards against the Steelers. He's doing his thing. Ty Johnson looked pretty good. Thought it was notable, too, as the Bills were protecting a, a late lead that it was Ty Johnson and not Latavius Murray being entrusted to to carry the football. But just talk about that. And then, of course, Josh running the ball. Talk about the Bills' running game and its effectiveness right now. Yeah, it's it's necessary. And I know as we've talked with so many throughout, it's like, you know, people don't want this to become a run-first team. Like, again, this isn't three yards in a cloud of dust or any of those pieces where we're just going to be a, mm -hmm. a ground-and-pound type of football team. But you at least need that to complement your passing game to keep things honest. And for James Cook, that game against the Cowboys – was perfect, right? Because now it's that situation where any defensive coordinator is going to look at it and say, good gosh, this guy can go for 200 yards on any given day, whether it be through the air, whether it be through the pass, whatever it is. And you have to account for that. And you, you know, you can't take it for granted that since then you've seen the emergence of Khalil Shakir and more so of Dalton Kincaid and right, Stefan Diggs, things start to click back again with just sort of the number of targets and the snaps and maybe all the yardage isn't there. Yeah, but again, to, another another things, weather alert. Things to really uh things to really come together. So it's you know, with this piece, you know, and Sean McDermott, he used to he used to kind of rail on him when you use that term complimentary football. But like at least when you talk yeah. about your offense, you need to be in a position and especially like, hey, let's say you've got a two score lead in the fourth quarter that you need to be able to run the ball effectively and work some clock like that's what you talk about here, not where it's just you have to be one dimensional and everyone knows what what you need to be. Last thing I'll say, and a credit to Joe Brady, he did it in the Cowboys game. We certainly, I think, saw it in the Steelers game with kind of some of those, just kind of the the using the middle of the field, right? The intermediate Ooh. zones of the, the field. It's like, listen, if they're going to give us this, we're going to take it. And if we just have to continue to do the same thing over and over and it's working, it's not going to be like, oh, well, let me adjust because we haven't worked in a deep shot or, oh, let me go to the running game because we haven't done that. It's like, Listen, if they can't stop the run, we will continue to run. If they can't stop the intermediate pass, we will just continue to go there until you do something different. So, you know, it's gotten to that point where it's just uh, there's a nice balance. And James Cook is a big piece of that. I'll still give Latavius Murray some credit, too, because, listen, he might not be what you want him to be. But what he can do as a pass blocker, yes, he can sure. catch the ball out of the backfield. Like, there's worse players you can have as your third running back than – than this guy so it's uh yeah it's gotten to a to a good place and that'll make a big difference on sunday i'll tell you this about joe brady it hasn't been perfect to bill's office but my favorite thing about joe brady since taking over is he just feels like he's really good at identifying what your weakness is on the defense and just attacking it and doesn't get too cute like if the running game's working like against dallas he ain't gonna get away from it because he doesn't have to prove to people that he's smart and they can do other things it's yeah. working. He's going to go after it. Um, And it's funny you say complimentary football because this is legitimately good complimentary football. And when I first started hearing that out of Sean McDermott's mouth, it was literally pissing me off to have to hear that shit. But uh, it is. And catching the ball, I mean, it's not the Stefan Diggs show anymore. And he's been fine. There's no wrong with Stefan. Seven catches for, I think, 52 yards. He was effective on Sunday. But, man, it's Khalil Shakir in Dalton Kincaid really stepping up into what we envisioned them potentially being, you know, during the summer going into this season, that play that Shakir made, whew, 
you know, put the game away. And he's been yeah. really good. You know, you draft him, he's a fifth round guy. And you're saying, and I remember what everybody was saying. He could be a steal. A lot of people consider him a steal, but he's a developmental guy. It's going to take some time for him to be, you know, integrate him into this offense. Well, guess what? That development has come because he has become a critical part of this offense. The touchdown on Sunday, the the 40-something yarder down the sideline against Miami at Hard Rock Stadium, the huge third-down conversion catch against the Chargers that led to the game-winning field goal for the Bills. He's been great, and Kincaid has went from somebody, because he's been catching the ball all season long, but he's went from a safety valve, catching the ball in the flat, little you know three- to five-yard dumps in the middle, turning into six, seven-yard gains. Now he's stretching seams. He caught that 29-yard pass. What a throw from Josh Allen on Sunday to Kincaid, by the way, down the seam. But he's working areas of the field and become a really, really good pass-catching uh, tight end. These two guys have brought a new element to the Bills' offense that wasn't there early in the season. Yeah, and when you you know going back to Khalil Shakir, I've never been so happy to be wrong about a player. When you and I were talking during training camp, and he did not have a great training camp he did not have a great preseason you're right and I remember saying to you like listen he's a fifth round draft pick like people are talking about him like oh my gosh you gotta you know you can't cut Khalil Shakir and I remember being like why not like he's a fifth rounder like yeah you know these guys are a little bit of a you know not to say a dime a dozen but it's a fifth round draft pick you're not holding on to that like it's a prime asset and uh gosh here you go with him what an integral piece of the offense I mean, he's catching 85% of his targets, yeah. right? That is, that is, and that's not just someone that's going on these little jet sweeps and, you know, let me just flip the ball, you know, six inches in front of me to you here, like they used to do with Isaiah McKenzie back in the day. Like he is just a bona fide, productive slot receiver, right? Like almost, you know, I'll say like a younger version of, of Cole Beasley being able to, to fill that void and you throw the Kincaid piece. And I'll give some props to Dawson Knox too. Like his touchdown catch, I know he had the big drop coming out of the uh, out of halftime that first drive in the third quarter. That's not lost on me, and you don't want to see that piece. But um, yeah, the guys were making plays, right? And you're able to spread things out. Where then, if yeah, if the stat line for Stefan Diggs is seven for fifty-two, right? Not might might not be the the yardage that you hope for, but listen seven catches, getting some positive yards, getting a big third down in the spot. Like it gives you the option to do some really good things when you have four bona fide targets out there and who knows when, you know, when, and if Gabriel Davis comes back, like, and I know he's kind of been up and down, but he's due for an up. So let's, let's see what happens there. You, uh, you, you talk about Shakir, by the way, I think I need to give you some props because I talked my shit when when I was right on my prediction. Didn't you predict a, a, a big player score from Dalton Kincaid last week? Um, I feel like you yeah, did. Dalton Kincaid was my my guy. I'm I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to ride that train like from here on out. I mean, I, I look at him and I you know again not getting ahead of ourselves, but like this is a guy that I see the potential to be a an NFL Hall of Famer. I know the wow. tight end position is so different. Right now, when you talk about expectations and guys like Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates and, you know, of course, Rob Gronkowski, but like for what he is and what he has shown in the second part of this second, I guess you can say in the last third of this season, like here's the guy that is going to get 10 targets a game. He's going to have the potential to be a hundred reception guy each and every year. And I just, yeah. he is exactly what you, you needed. And I realized, you know, People talk about Sam Laporta and others early on and this and that. And like, oh, did you need to trade up for him? Whatever. Like, I'm glad this guy is a Buffalo Bill. And that's, yeah. I, I don't know. know. I, don't, I don't get too hot with my takes. But <laughs> uh, your true. reaction when I said he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. But for for where he's he started, I could certainly, certainly see it. So. Um, you know, circling back to uh, Khalil Shakir as well. You know, I remember over the summer, and I was a Khalil Shakir guy. And you're right. He was not impressive during the summer. And I specifically yeah. remember going to a Bills practice with Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills and, and Joe Miller from Buffalo Rumleys. And we're sitting up in the stands and he did not look that good. And at the time, he was getting first team reps as a slot guy, but Deontay Hardy was getting a lot of reps too. And Andy Isabella was impressing. And I do remember near the end of training camp and preseason, there was a lot of speculation 
that Andy Isabella might make this roster at the expense potentially of either uh, Shorter or Khalil Shakir. So he did not have that impressive of a camp. But man, oh man, has he ever uh, turned things around. And speaking of somebody who I I watched uh, the game back and focused on him, who I felt like turned things around at least a little bit, Anthony, and look, I'm I'm sick of prefacing how we all feel about what uh, Von Miller allegedly did off the field and him as a person. You all know that already, okay? So let's just stick to football stuff here. I thought far and away, this was the first time all season, 12, 13 games, whatever he's played, where I saw legitimate flashes of what Vaughn Miller was pre-ACL. Now, he did have, there was that one play near the end of the game, and people were talking about what the hell is he doing when he kind of pushed Mason Rudolph. Looks like he thought he already already got rid of the football, and he didn't. Whatever. That aside, I saw a handful of pass rushes. He played 25 snaps, so 38% of the snaps are the Bills, but I saw an inside spin move, saw him use his arms and have some bend with an outside swim move. He was getting after the quarterback and the effort, the juice was there. And I thought it was noticeable. And obviously going into the Chiefs game, (laughs) can't tell you how big potentially a uh, motivated and maybe not even motivated because then that would suggest that he didn't care beforehand. A confident, let's say confident. He's confident in in his body right now and his ability. It looked like to be able to get after the quarterback. That could bode really well for the Bills because Vaughn Miller, you signed him to be a difference maker, and it finally feels like maybe he's ready to 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 be one. Yeah, and you know when he was on the field on Monday, there was part of me that was like, um, I. <laughs> I don't even know if he should have been active, right? A team that is looking to run the football, like this is more of a Gregory Rousseau, Shaq Lawson type of game, sure. right? You, you know, you you look at those things. And when I saw he was active, it was like, okay. And and yeah, to see those couple of pressures late, like, again, you don't want to get too excited about a, a couple of pressures. But as you were saying, if, if you're going to see a good version of Von Miller, Sunday is the time that you're going to need him right? Like it doesn't need to be anything crazy. He probably doesn't need to play more than 20, 25 snaps, but in some of those obvious passing downs, if he can create that same type of pressure, you know, they're, they're going to need it. So I, I use the term cautious optimism. I mean, it's about as cautious as you can get with it. You know, there's this part of me still saying like, yeah, I'd probably still rather see AJ Epinesa out there on the field than, than Von Miller. But, um, the arrow's pointing in the right direction, and you need to kind of take that next step on Sunday if you're going to be out there. He could erase a lot of criticism, on-field criticism, with one play on Sunday against uh, the Chiefs. One other point I wanted to make, too, because it might matter on Sunday. I like Dorian Williams. I like the way he looked. He is a athletic, highly skilled player, and it's obvious that you know he's missing assignments. And Sean McDermott quite clearly has a very short leash with him. He played on Sunday because he had to, quite frankly. The injuries dictated that. But you watch the film, and he's really athletic. And I feel confident, and this is another thing, going back to my conversation with Tony earlier this week. He doesn't think there's a better coach in the NFL, better suited to take injuries and coach around them on a defense than Sean McDermott. And I tend to agree with that. So if you know what's going on during the week with your linebackers. And he's going to know a lot more than us fans and content creators do obviously on the injury front. But if you know that you got to go with Dorian Williams, I feel confident that he'll be able to coach him up. Look, there's not a better, except for Terrell Bernard, more him in a second. Dorian Williams isn't that athletic linebacker. who can go side from side, man. He can get a body on Travis Kelsey and, and some of these other guys. So I'm hopeful that Sean McDermott can coach this dude up because athletically, it's there. It's been the rookie mental mistakes that he makes with misassignments and gaps and stuff like that that's gotten him into uh, the doghouse. Anyway, got it. I mean, we can't not talk about injuries because they've been brutal the last couple of weeks. You go back to the Miami game, you lose Gabe, you lose Taylor Rapp, you lose Dotson, and that shit really sucked. Well, I got a hell of a lot worse Monday in Buffalo against Pittsburgh. So I. I watched the game and I, you know, I'm very emotional, uh, hot-headed, let's just say that. And there's about four things that will make me take my baseball cap and whoop it down to the floor. One is an, an ugly Josh interception. 
that that'll get the hat throw every time. Um, another is a Dawson Knox drop, which happened on, on Monday, and that will get the hat thrown and me screaming at my TV. Why is he even out there? Um, a really stupid penalty, like a, 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 a you know a prototypical Jordan Phillips late hit that usually gets the hat toss from me, and then a key player getting hurt. I mean, it just wasn't stopping on Sunday, especially with Terrell Bernard. I mean, that made me sick. Made me sick. Um, didn't break his ankle. That's good. We don't know information. This is the one part that sucks about when we record, when we do. Some injury information will come out over the next 24 hours before some people even hear this, but he ain't playing. There's no way. I can't envision him playing on Sunday. That's got to be at least a minimum one to two week injury. But anyway, he goes down. Christian Bedford hurts his knee, who low-key has been really, really good. Teron Johnson is now in concussion protocol for a second time. I would imagine, no expert on how that works, but I would feel like it's probably harder to get out of a concussion protocol the second time around maybe than the first. Bale Spector stepped up against Miami. He gets hurt against Pittsburgh. And again, they're already without without Davis and Rapp and Dodson. And, uh, and then the punter gets goddamn hurt too. Sam Martin pulls his hamstring. It's like, come on, man. We need we need to be healthier right now, and this is going to happen right now. I'm well, listen. Here, here, here's the thing, and I totally get where you're coming from. And with Terrell Bernard, when he had the towel over his head on the car, oh. I thought it was like catastrophic type of injury, yeah. right? I mean, Achilles. that's a, you know, that's a. I know I blew out my knee type of look of of someone going back and. You know, for Sean McDermott to call everyone day to day, I don't know if there's some gamesmanship in in there with with some of these injuries. But you know, when when Sean talks and says week to week, it's like okay, this guy's not going to be playing this week, right? I mean, mm-hmm, we're talking right. people. when he says day to day, it's like okay, there's that glimmer of hope, and at least for everyone to be considered day to day. And I don't, you know, expect everyone to to be back. I would certainly love if they are. But let's say you get Taylor Rapp back and Terrell Dodson and Russell Douglas, right? The three, the three guys that were that were out. Okay, that makes a big difference with with where you're going. And then when you look at some of the others, like okay, not that you need everyone to come back, but it's like if Terrell Bernard doesn't come back, but you get Teron Johnson, okay, like you, you know, it's a little bit of I don't say bad, but don't break. But it's this, you know, you think of the roster that was on the field on defense at the end of the game. I mean, some of these guys, it's like, Hey, I remember you from the, uh, you know, fourth preseason game of the the year. Like, yeah, your defensive line was still intact, but everything behind them, you know, you got Demar Hamlin out there playing critical snaps. Uh, you know, I'm like, good gosh, they're gonna have to roll out Tyler Matikiewicz to play on, on defense. Like, I mean, guys that are just specific, for special teams, Kyer Elam coming up with a big play, um, Cam Lewis playing a ton of snaps. Like it was just, and you know, sometimes it's like, all right, hey, someone goes down, you got to play Kyer Elam. Okay, that's fine if he's one of the 11. He was like one of six that was, you know, you're talking about your third string type of guy that's out there. And guys made plays, you referenced it earlier, kudos to Sean McDermott for being able to coach things up and get to that point. But yeah, for for Sunday of these like nine guys that are that are out there, I'm hoping you can get five or six of them back. Yeah, you know, I forgot to mention Russell Douglas when I was going through my never ending rundown of of banged up bills. Yeah, you were on a roll. I didn't want to stop you. You know, it was it was good. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. There's in the second half of that game, there was a point in a critical portion of the game. The Bills are only up by seven for a short amount of time, and you had a defense that has. Kyrie Elam and Cam Lewis and DeMar Hamlin and Dorian Williams and AJ Klein out there all at the same time, man. I'm like, come yeah. on. And I'm going to be straight up with you. We're, we, you know, we predict games every week. And I, by this time, by the middle of the week, I know who I think is going to win. And I have an idea in my mind of what the score is going to be. And of course, I can be way off, but at least I feel like in my mind, I know. I, I'm gonna have a really hard time doing that this week because I need you need to tell me more about the injuries. I agree with you, by the way. The fact that Sean McDermott called them day to day might be a little bit of gamesmanship, but it's hopeful for at least most of them anyway. Again, I don't. There's, I think it will take the Bills. Terrell Bernard. I, I think the Bills would have to get to the Super Bowl for him potentially to be able to play. I just can't see a scenario where he doesn't have at least 
a one to two week high ankle sprain and two weeks being uh, the low end of it. But here's the good news. Rasul Douglas told Tim Graham on Monday that he could have played and that he was held out and that he will play. He plans that he won't be back for the Chiefs game. That's big because if uh, Christian Benford doesn't play, and I don't think he's going to either. I think he's one of those guys who I don't think you're going to see. But anyway, you got Rasul Douglas and Dane Jackson. I I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, I would I would say to you though I wouldn't go that far on Christian Benford yet at least from the reports that sure. were out there you know for something that was a was a knee injury uh, he didn't you know he still had his helmet with him he was not in street clothes he didn't go sure. back and get changed and come out so I think when you look at that and and you know sometimes with this too it's um and, and this is no disrespect to the Steelers you know a little bit of a all right, we're kind of in control of this game, you know, as fans a little bit closer than we would like it to be, especially when it gets Absolutely. to seven points in the second half. But it's, you know, almost to like that that story from the week before where Rasul Douglas was like, hey, I can go back in and play. You know, guys are always going to be optimistic, but Dane Jackson saying like, hey, I got you. All right, other guys were making plays. Like it wasn't this, okay, guys are getting gashed. You know what? yeah, we're going to put Christian Benford back out there type of situation. So, you know, I, I have a little bit more optimism with him than than you do right now. I hope, And I hope you're right because Christian Benford has low-key been a really, really, really effective corner. Anyway, I, I think you're going to get uh, you're going to get Russell Douglas back. Let's see, he has some kind of setback this week. You'll get him back. So whether it's Jackson or Benford, I feel good about the corner spot. Um I, I'm, I have confidence in, I, I want Taylor Rapp back, but if he can't get back and if Cam Lewis gets to play that safety spot where they go in that dime defense, I feel pretty good about Cam Lewis there. I don't feel good about Cam Lewis if he's got to be that nickel back if Teron Johnson can't go because the drop off from Teron Johnson to Cam or anybody is really, really big. And that's because Teron Johnson is quite literally an all pro corner, which by the way, props to him being named uh, second team all pro this past week. Bernard, I'm counting on being out. And again, we shouldn't do any of that. We'll, we'll see what happens. But my point is this, Teron Johnson is the biggest concern to me if he can't go. And then I would say Bernard after. I think the Bills could do some stuff to kind of mask Bernard um, a little bit. And we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I agree, also agree with you too. I think the Bills erred on the side of caution against Pittsburgh and McDermott took a calculated chance that he'd be able to get past the Steelers to maybe get Dotson back. Dotson, <laughs> you know, we talk about the beginning of the season, Jarrell Bernard, I was pissed off that he was a starter. and Look what he became. I actually am hoping that Tyrell Dotson gets back. That is not something I thought I would ever say, but I do yeah. because he's been really good in a lot of areas on this defense. So anyway, the injuries are, are going to be, to me, the X factor. Like right now as we speak, it's not a specific player or specific thing they do. It's just being as healthy as, as you can be. And getting Gabe Davis back on the offensive side, don't sleep on that. You know, everybody was talking about Trent Shurfield and all he needs is an opportunity. Well, he did what Gabe's done a lot of this season, and that's have no catches for no yards against Pittsburgh. Nothing against him. They didn't need him. They had KK going. They got Diggs going. They got uh, Shakir going. And that's kind of been the case sometimes when Gabe was out there too. Anyway, let's look at the Chiefs before we get into any predictions here. Because it's a weird thing with this Chiefs team this year, dude. Um, I'm more concerned about their defense than I am their offense. 18 games the Chiefs have played this year, and they've allowed 25 or fewer points in 17 of those 18 games. 27 points is the most they've given up all year. You know, all these injuries, and with the defense, I heard it a million times. I might have said it myself. Well, the Bills, Josh Allen's got to be an MVP. The Bills are going to have to score 30 to 40 points to, to win the rest, of the, the rest of their games with all these defensive injuries. Well, if they score 30 points on the Chiefs, they'll be the first team all year to do it. This defense is really good. Yeah, they're really good. They continue to play good. I, you know, watching Saturday night's game, it was like, okay, they, they played impressively, but honestly, that's, I felt like it was more of an indictment against the Dolphins. Absolutely. I'm just, I, I still, I mean, gosh, the fact that I was on here with you last week and saying, like, no, I give the Dolphins a chance, like, good gosh, like they didn't even show up. Like that was... No, they folded. That, that completely, right? So it, it to that extent, it's just like this, you know, again, a little recency bias. Like I don't want to give them the Chiefs too much credit because the Dolphins were just not good. But to your point, right? Like they have been, solid. They have been solid all season long. 
They've been solid all season long. I mean, I can look at who they've played against, and there is this part of just like, okay, yeah, you know, what's playing the Chargers a couple times, the Broncos a couple times, the Raiders a couple times. Like, that's not exactly a you know a murderer's row when you you think about things. Although we might get like hyped about the AFC West each and every year, it just seems to be a, a disappointment. So, but yeah, they're they're good. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from them. There's also the part here I'm not coming into it and thinking to myself, like, even though they haven't given up 30 points at all this season, I'm not looking at this defense and saying, like, oh, my gosh, like, the Bills can't do it. If the Bills put up 30 or put up 35 on Sunday, like, none of that none of that would surprise me. And that's no disrespect to the Chiefs and what they're, they're doing. You know, they have days where they look great. Same with the Bills offense. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, they held the Bills at 20, and they played the Bills. Uh, and the Bills won that game. I'll give you a hot take. I, I think LeJarius Sneed might be the best quarter in the NFL. I know everyone talks about Sauce Gardner. LeJarius Sneed played Stephon Diggs physical and tough. He shut down Tyree. He bullied Tyree Kill last uh, Saturday night at Arrowhead. He's a great quarter. Chris Jones, we've seen what he could do. I don't. I'm scared of this defense. Not scared of this defense. Let me let me walk that back. My scared of this defense. I respect the shit out of this defense. I think it's the strength of their football team. Which again, when you're talking about Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs, it's weird to say that because you flip the other side and the offense, which you think of explosiveness, they've only scored 28 or more points three times in 18 games this season. Uh, so they haven't been that good, but. Rasheed Rice, the rookie, has really come on. Um, big game against Miami. Eight catches for a buck thirty. He had five catches for a buck twenty-seven the week before against uh, the Bengals. Last seven games, fifty-one catches, six hundred forty-eight yards, four tutties. So he's become their primary weapon. Uh, Travis Kelsey, last seven games, only thirty-six catches, four hundred fourteen yards, and he hasn't got a touchdown in seven games. So Rasheed Rice has become a legitimate number one receiver for them in the back half of this year. The rest of the receivers, I don't want to say they suck, but it's they're a bunch of Dawson Knoxes. You can't trust them. You know what I mean? To throw the ball to them. Um, and then Pacheco, man, he, I think he's a good running back. He runs angry. He's an aggressive runner, ran for 89 yards this weekend. He's ran for at least 89 yards, four of his last six games. And I think it's worth noting too. I, I, when the Bills played him the first time, he wasn't there. So the offense is more limited than it's been in past years, but you got good players, and obviously you still got bad Mahomes as well. Listen, they're the defending Super Bowl champs, right? I mean, yep. you know this. You you respect every opponent that you play, but this this one is a little different, and I think we talked about this when they played in the regular season. Don't give them too much respect, right? It, it is kind sure. of that fine line of you don't take anyone lightly – but along those same lines, like, yes, they're the Kansas City Chiefs. They're a great football team. They're, you know, a borderline dynasty, I guess you can say, for what they've been in this Patrick Mahomes era. But don't give them too much respect. And I think we started to see that. And I talk about the evolution of Sean McDermott when they played in the regular season and the Chiefs get the ball in the last couple of minutes and this and that. And it's just like, yeah, no cushions, no playing off guys, nothing like this, like, if they're going to make a play, they're going to have to make a play, but you're not going to give them anything. So I, that to me is is critical with this because I felt like early on, Sean McDermott had so much respect for Andy Reid and as a mentor and someone that he came up under, and you totally get that part. I completely get it and understand why you would think that way for someone that you hold in that regard. But those days are over, right? So you got to come out on Sunday. You got to punch them in the mouth. And if they're going to hit you, you just got to punch them back. And I don't want to get all like – Dan Campbell here and this and that, but it's just like they're the they're the Chiefs. There's some like there's some you know some cracks in the armor right now. Yeah, keys to the game. So we go through every week. I'm gonna fly. look. We've already talked about them pretty much. So I really we don't really need to go over them much more here. The biggest thing to me is health. For the for the Bills, it's about the health. It's getting as many of these guys back on the field as you can. You're not gonna get them all back, but some of these guys. Got to get back. It's as simple as that. To me, that's a big key. Um, I think who runs the football better is is going to be a huge key. The game, obviously, look, every week, any opponent, it's always going to be about turnovers. That always is going to matter the most. This is always a great equalizer. But I think the team that can run the ball more effectively and keep the opposing quarterback off the field and sustain drives, I think that's a key. 
And I mentioned Travis Kelsey. I, I feel like this is, don't let this be the game that Travis Kelsey gets nuts because again, he's won seven games now without a touchdown. And I haven't heard it for sure, but I, I'm quite sure that this young lady, Taylor Swift, is going to be sitting in a suite in Orchard Park. And I don't want to see CBS cutaway shots of her going nuts because her because her man scored one or two touchdowns. I, you agree with that? It's like contain Travis Kelsey. As good as Rashi Rice or Pacheco's been, I'm always confident in Sean McDermott to find a way to slow those guys down. But Travis, that's another story, especially with the injuries with Bernard and Teron Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I and I get what you're saying with all of that. To to me, I think where it will all start will be with the defensive line, right? So those sure. guys having having a day. Like we have not really seen a lot from Leonard Floyd these past couple of weeks, right? As far as like generating a sack or two. AJ Epinesa, same thing there. Like we need some of these guys to to get one or two of those splash plays, right? To bat down a pass that can get intercepted, to get to Patrick Mahomes early and put him on the ground and, you know, and do some of those pieces. So everything is there that it can happen with the Bills to, you know, what you had mentioned with Von Miller. Like, hey, now's the time to to make a play or two. Like we're not even looking for anything crazy. Like one or two would be would be fine. To me, that is the most critical piece because you get him off his spot, you get him under pressure, you start to to really penetrate in the middle of that defense, um, then that helps you take care of those other things with Rasheed Rice and with Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco and, and everything there. And honestly, the offense needs to do what the offense can do for Buffalo, right? Yeah. Make Kansas City one-dimensional, take Isaiah Pacheco in the running game out of the equation, put them on their heels and have them where they have to pass on Sunday, and then the defensive line can do what they need to do. Let's uh, wrap up here with predictions. And I'm going to preface this by telling you something. There's been three games this year that I have really struggled with in terms of predictions. The Philly game, the first Kansas City game, and today, this week, this game. I'm struggling coming up with my prediction. It Literally, I haven't even had it in my head yet. It's just going to roll out of my mouth here in a minute. Uh, when the Bills played the Bengals, I, I was confident the Bengals were going to win that game. This is one of three where I'm really struggling. But let's start with you, man. And almost a little unfair to ask you this because we're not armed at this time with all the information we need in terms of health of the players. So that's difficult as well. But based on what we know as we record this and how you feel, what your gut tells you right now, where are you going with this? No hesitation. Bill's 28-21. Mm. And I say that, okay, and like think of it, think of it from this standpoint. Like this is this is that game for Josh Allen where it's 21-21, five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and he marches the team down the field, right, to to finish it. Like this is the the Josh Allen game. And I don't say that from like 400 yards and five touchdowns and no no no. This is the like Bills ball tie game. Second half of the fourth quarter, let's go. Like, slay the dragon, get over things. And listen, I do not expect anyone that is a fan of the Miami Dolphins or the New England Patriots or the New York Jets to have anything where they are pulling for the Buffalo Bills. I do not say that for one second. But you know there are folks out there, right? And it's like, if there is any part of the energy in your body that is sick of seeing Taylor Swift and all the cutaways to to her, right? You're sick of seeing Brittany Mahomes. You're sick of the State Farm commercials with Patrick Mahomes or whatever wireless T-Mobile he he does. And Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and all of these types of things. And just kind of acknowledging the Chiefs have not even played a road playoff game since like 2017 maybe, right? It's like pulling all of that energy and kind of like, not to just say willing the Bills to victory, because that makes it sound like they're not worthy of this win, but the Bills would be worthy of it. Like for all those people out there, they're just like, my God, I am so sick of the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm done with this overexposure for them. It's like pulling all that energy into Orchard Park on Sunday and channel it into that last drive. Again, Um, 28-21. Okay, 28-21. I can tell you one prediction I'm confident in making, and that's if the Chiefs do win this game, I might get suspended or potentially banned from Twitter because I might make (laughs) life-threatening 
uh, tweaks to Nick Wright. So I can tell you with confidence that if the Chiefs win, that's going to happen. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I have truly, truly, truly struggled with this. Uh, and I'm kind of basing this on, in part, how I think the injuries are going to play out for the Bills going into this game. I'm trying to balance on the Chiefs' end a championship pedigree, a winner, legendary quarterback, legendary coach. I don't think they're intimidated whatsoever to come to Buffalo. So that goes in the Chiefs' favor. I think the injuries to key players on defense, especially if Teron Johnson cannot play on Sunday, that goes big in the Chiefs' favor. What I like most about the Bills, first and foremost, is that they're playing in Orchard Park. I, I can't emphasize enough how big I think that is. And the Bills' offense, the, the confidence in them to be able to move the ball and put points up on the board against the Chiefs. I went back and forth, and I swear to you, this is not a homer move because I would pick the Chiefs if I thought in my heart the Chiefs were, not in my heart, my mind, that the Chiefs were going to win. I'm going 27-23 Buffalo Bills. I think they're going to get maybe one defensive turnover that's going to lead to to points. I think they're going to hold the Chiefs a couple times, a couple times where they move the ball, but they have to settle for field goals. Um, at the end of the day, I think the home crowd, the knowing that you've got to get past them, I think that all matters a lot. And I don't think the Bills are destined to be the 1990 New York Knicks. I think this is the year, the opportunity and the situation where they get past uh, the Chiefs. And again, if Teron Johnson plays above all the other guys, because I'm already counting Russell Douglas in, if if Teron Johnson plays, I will feel significantly more confident in this game than I will if he doesn't. But what, regardless, going 27-23 Buffalo. All right, man. So let's see what happens. <laughs> all right, we will see what happens. Here's what's not going to happen. I should have said this at the beginning, unfortunately. I got to already tell you right now, I was scheduled to have a live show on Thursday night with Nate Geary from, uh, of WGR at Casey's Black Rock Tavern. A Chiefs Backers Bar was so much looking forward to that. That was going to be a good time. But I got to tell you right now, this weather, that shit's not going to happen. So hopefully I'll get Nate remotely. If not, we'll be doing something else. But anyway, for my guy, Anthony Marino, I'm Pat Moran. Brand new episode tomorrow. Thanks, Anthony. Always, uh, always a pleasure to have you, man. Thanks, brother. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.